We believe that America is still a country where there is more to life than just a constant struggle for money. And we believe that America must have leaders who show us that our struggles amount to something and contribute to something larger. Leaders who want us to be all that we can be. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. That clip was from then-Texas State Treasurer and future Governor Ann Richards speaking at the 1988 Democratic National Convention. She was the only the second woman to have taken the stage as a keynote speaker since the Democratic National Conventions began over 150 years before. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, January 31st. As we wrap up the first month of the year, there are some big announcements that have come out over the last 24 hours about some of the broader dynamics that will impact our democracy and the political landscape in the U.S. this year. Reflecting back on Governor Richard's uh, comments on the kind of American dream and the impact on individual families, perhaps the biggest one uh, is that Biden has announced he will end U.S. COVID's emergency status. Yesterday, he told Congress that the U.S. will end both the national emergency and the public health emergency declarations for COVID. They will wrap up in May. This will end major federal dollars going to the pandemic from paying for free boosters, which will now be over $150 before insurance, to subsidizing over-the-counter COVID tests um, and more. House Republicans had actually been pushing for an immediate end, but the administration says that would create wide-ranging chaos for hospitals and doctors, so it has built in a ramp-down period. It also means the end of the Trump-era border policy, Title 42, that forces the return of asylum seekers. All of this announcement comes against the backdrop of the World Health Organization saying that the pandemic is reaching a transition point moving from a critical pandemic to a long-term chronic uh, health dynamic that the world will have to grapple with. Also yesterday, the International Monetary Fund said in its report that basically economic growth isn't looking great, but that we could avoid a global recession. Particularly, they're projecting 2.9% global growth in 23, down from 3.4% last year, but a lot better than the outlook from an earlier prediction that said that one-third of the world could go into recession. Um, So some good broad news for kind of the state of the world, which will definitely ripple through our politics. On the challenging side, a deadline for seven states to agree on how to reduce their use of the Colorado River water hits today. The Interior Department is looking to stem historic drops in the system's uh, water volume. And if they don't get an agreement, they're going to enforce mandatory cuts, the first ever since the Hoover Dam was built. Basically, we're in a 23-year drought out there. We're the worst in 1,200 years. And this is water that serves 40 million people across California, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico. And of course, within that, Arizona's swing state status, but other key states will have big political implications as well as simply just the implications for what does it mean to have access to water in the modern day? So something that will no pun intended, ripple through our politics in the South and Southwest for the coming uh, months, for sure. Looking at kind of the specific dynamics of politics and democracy over the last week, we think about increasing civic and democratic participation. A couple things to highlight again, we're getting a lot of good news this week, which is great. In Minnesota, 
House Bill 28 has advanced from three committees. It's being heard in a fourth committee yesterday. This would allow people with past felony convictions to vote as long as they're not currently incarcerated. Legislation uh, facilitating online voter registration passed out of a Republican-controlled committee in New Hampshire, and two bills to facilitate voter registration have moved forward in New York. So nothing getting passed yet, but forward momentum on ways that are going to make it easier for people to vote and restore the franchise to vote to people after they have served time after a felony conviction. In terms of election administration, you've got New Mexico uh, introducing a big voting rights bill that would expand access to voting, um, also restore rights to formerly incarcerated people, and in particular, protect access among Native American communities. Allow the use of tribal buildings as mailing addresses. Many Native American communities in New Mexico and around the country don't have individual personalized postal addresses. Instead, mail gets delivered to a reservation or to a tribal building and Uh, Mostly far-right Republicans have tried to use that as an excuse to disenfranchise them, saying if you don't have a personal mailing address, you can't be registered to vote. New Mexico pushing that forward. Also, more good news coming out of Minnesota. And partly, I should note, in Minnesota, it's the result of flipping the Senate, creating a trifecta control in Minnesota. So you're seeing Senate Bill 611 is a bill that's moving forward that would ensure that the state canvassing board declares the highest vote getter to be the winner of the election, basically preventing any manipulation of the certification process. And Senate Bill 285 is moving forward that would allow electronic rosters for persons registering to vote, making it easier to register to vote in Minnesota. On the kind of mixed dynamic coming out is, again, more conversation about election workers. So Cochise County Elections Director Lisa Mara has announced that she is resigning. Um, You may remember Cochise County was one of the last places to certify the election. And Mara had refused to acquiesce to Republicans on the County Board of Supervisors who wanted to illegally hand count all ballots. Basically said she was tired of fighting. And this is an issue across the country as the politicization of election administration has really created a lot of threats to election workers. Uh, So much so that also this week, uh, Montana has advanced legislation through the process designed to protect election workers from harassment. You're seeing similar bills being put forward in Democratic and some more independent states, while you're actually seeing additional regulation and criminalization of election administration in some states with far-right political control. So this will be a dance over the next few months. When we think about Democratic norms, um, we think about election denialism still here. Um, There was an article over the weekend in the Wall Street Journal talking about how the Republican state party leadership elections are really highlighting divisions in 2024 battleground states. Some Republicans calling for a break from Trump-style politics. However, election deniers have been elected or appear positioned to win in key states, including Arizona and Michigan. So this ongoing dance of, are you denying the basic validity of the election process or not, and how much of a rallying cry or not will that be within formal Republican Party apparatus is really a question. A lot of people look back and say that one of the reasons Republicans did so poorly in the midterm elections were because they hung on to the denialism. But you also still see the strength of Trump and his base pushing that forward, and you see some of these wins happening in state parties. That'll really affect how the political process and the campaigns get run this year and especially next year, what the positioning will be, as well as what are the attacks coming on our election system. 
Uh, last thing to talk about, as we think about improving the media and information ecosystem, the fourth pillar of uh, around democracy, the one for democracy is focusing on news coming out about Americano Media, which is aiming to be the Fox News in Spanish. And they're announcing an expansion into television. They've said very clearly they want to help sway Hispanic opinion towards more conservative ideals. And they're embarking on a really a- aggressive expansion plan to shape uh, center-right Hispanic opinion during the next legislative cycle. They've hired more than 80 journalists and producers, expanding in Miami, Las Vegas, D.C., covering the White House and Congress, embedding with presidential campaigns, launching a $20 million marketing campaign. And an interesting piece in Miami in particular, they've scooped up some of the talent from Latino media networks, uh, Miami Station, Radio Mambi, which has been a longtime fixture in conservative Cuban-American community. So that getting bought by a more progressive outlet had a potential to shift the news reaching that key community. But several prominent hosts, Lourdes Subitia, uh, Daniel Alexandrino, Nelson Rubio, um, have made the switch from Latino Media Network over to Americano. Although most of the other producers and hosts and directors came from Univision and Telemundo, CNN and Español. So it wasn't a huge shift, but it does note the difference of like the ideological alignment of this fight for who will communicate with an increasingly important demographic in American politics. And really a question then of what information will Latinos be receiving and how will it influence their trajectory and their votes. So something to be watching out for. And the question of how to invest in and protect independent fact-based media is really important. So some good things to be paying attention to overall this week, kind of a setting the stage for what's coming versus anything breaking of huge import over the last few days. But by the time I talk next week, I'm sure there will be something new and something different that we haven't expected. But that's all I've got for this week's review of American democracy. I look forward to talking with you again next week on 10 Minutes on Democracy. Take care.